0: You're watching Leaf's Morning Take with host Nick Alberga and
3: former NHLer Jay Rosel. The show starts now. Chris Tanev got traded and it's not to Toronto, so cancel the show. Just kidding, we're here for the Thursday edition of Leaf's Morning Take presented by Betano, Nick Alberga, and Jay Rosel. How are we doing, Rosie?
0: We are, right? How about you? Kind of sad. Tanev was my... I mean, he's not a world beat or anything, but he's kind of a guy that I thought would be a good fit. You never know. But on to to other things,
3: I guess, man. He gone. It's it's weird having a patient GM, you know? (laughs) Because they've had a pushover GM for X amount of years, and now somebody who's going to exercise patience and not be like, okay, we'll take it. We'll give you a first for Chris Tanev. Um, it's mixed reviews. I think in this market today, um, having said that, dude, I don't know why you would get involved in a market that makes no sense. Like th- this is a shit market. People are overplaying the deadline in general. I wouldn't say that just this year, every year, but this market stinks and I would never ever pay a first round pick or plus for a guy like Chris Tenev. How'd you feel about him going to Dallas? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I get it. I knew there'd be other people in the works. I thought it might happen closer to the deadline, but I guess we're creeping up on it. Um, Would have liked to make a deal for him, but I, I in the back of my mind, I had a feeling, A, they might not want to deal with tree living. They might not just... Do you want- buy that? You buy that? I kind of do. I don't know what happened there with him and his exit and how it all went, but I got the feeling that maybe... You know, there's so many... There's a lot of different guys on that outfit that could fit the Leafs, uh, you know, needs right now, and it just seems like they're just. And 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 what do I know? I'm not in there. I'm not on the phones. I'm not in the office. But I just had this feeling like they're just like, ah, maybe if you like overpay, but we're looking elsewhere. And I had a feeling someone else was gonna just pay more than we are willing to pay. Like that first rounder is not going anywhere, you know. um, like Easton Cowan's not going anywhere. So it's just like, I have a feeling they're going to want this and he's going to say no, and that's going to be the end of it. And I think that's kind of how it went down.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things at play here. I mean, there's been reports the last couple of days that TANF camp's going to look for five or six million bucks AV on their next contract. The guy's 34. Like, yeah, would he have been a perfect fit, at least right now? Maybe not so much long-term, yes. Um, but do you just give up the farm to acquire Chris Tana for a playoff run? I just couldn't get to that level. Like the Flames got more than their asking price. If you recall, it was a second round pick. They got a second plus plus, so a conditional third. I believe the condition is that they if Dallas makes a Stanley Cup final, then Calgary gets that third and a prospect nobody's ever heard of. Um, you know i I just think people are so quick, Rosie, to jump to conclusions and say, "Oh, the Le- they they don't want to work with the Leafs." No way. They said this about Zadorov too. I, I just I don't buy that. Um, if you're Craig Conroy, the GM of the Calgary Flames. You are looking for the best deal possible. I don't care if it's Edmonton. I don't care if it's Toronto and the previous GM. I just would like to think GMs are not that petty.
0: Yeah, not petty, but just, again, I don't know what happened on the exit. I think there was something weird going on where they, you know, barred him from going to the draft and he's like all these kind of weird stuff makes you think there might be some kind of weird underlying bad blood. But also with Conroy, like you're always, you're always measured against your your predecessor and who who came before you rather and if you do a big deal with him and it doesn't end up going bad there's just going to be this whole layer of he was better than you and he took advantage of you and all the people that didn't want to see tree living go would say see i told you look at him work conroy over and the only deal they got done so there might be a little bit of that just egotistically but i mean at the end of the day i just i do believe that it went down to there weren't willing to offer as much as others. And there was more teams after Chris Tanev than the Maple Leafs.
3: Well, that's a thing, right? I mean, uh, the Leafs could have loved Chris Tanev as much as they wanted to, but there was like five, six teams involved. Uh, A tweet I put out on Wednesday night, Toronto was in it till the end. sounds like Vancouver was as well to an extent. Edmonton was in there, but I think those were the final three. I mean, don't quote me on it, but it sounds like those three were the most aggressive and ultimately he goes to Dallas, but like, Let's not lose sight of the fact that they wanted a second rounder as a starting asking price. And every time that's set, you probably have to go above and beyond to land the player. But in in this scenario, the Leafs didn't have a second rounder. So I don't know what people expected the Leafs to do. Give up a first rounder. I guess that's what people are implying.
0: If they did, people would be. I mean, he'd come there. He'd come there with, you know, a negative cloud over his head right off the beginning. And people would be watching that first rounder and what he became and always holding tree level tree living's uh, feet to the fire for. And I, I don't think that Tanev, like you said, is that big of a world beater to have, you know, that big of a risk. I mean, look what Chris or uh, look what Cowan's doing um, in the, in the Ontario league right now as their late first round pick. And I mean, he's looking like, Holy, this guy could potentially be a serious player, and then if you lose that guy for a run that doesn't work out and he doesn't resign, it's like, nice job, nice job, you know, and it's, it's tough. It's tough to be a GM man. And, you know, we got Chuck Fletcher coming on. We want to pick his brain a little bit today about what that's like and the pressure and the worry and the, you know, you don't have a crystal ball. You're trying to make these deals and you're like, I get this doesn't work out it's going to look real bad for me. And I mean, one, one bad deal is the writing on the wall for some guys when it comes to them being done with their tenure on in an organization is looking back and saying, oh, you really botched that one deal,
3: man, and it screwed us. Because the fascination for me, and I think you make great points, but also from the Leafs' perspective, uh, they, they've they tried the all-in approach. Like, remember our conversation this time last year? It's like they added, like, 10, 11 new players, Ryan O'Reilly. Like, they gutted everything. I think Cal Dubas knew exactly what he was doing. They tried that approach. They won around, They still didn't get anywhere close to a Stanley Cup. And then you look, conversely, at Florida. Didn't make any deals of of significance around the deadline. And then they, win, they go to the Stanley Cup. They lose to Vegas. But, like... On top of that, I just don't think it's a great market, as I mentioned. Like, Chris Tanev was the best defenseman outside of Noah Hannafin available. I still think a player of that oak, it's a risky proposition because of the way he plays the game, where he literally jumps in front of pucks and heads the puck. Like, he's an injury away from missing significant time, and that's just the type of player you're picking up. So to go as far to say I'm going to give up a first-round pick for a guy like that, I just can't get to that level. Yeah, I think he would have improved the Leafs. I think he's going to improve Dallas immensely. He slots it perfectly on that blue line. I just think they have to be smart with their asset management, something I think they've been um, okay with in the past, but they probably could have done a better job with. Like, I don't necessarily think you have to go all in every year at the trade deadline. When does that ever work out for teams?
0: Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, you look at um, the New York Rangers last year adding Tarasenko and Kane and just it made them worse, basically. And at at the end of the day, the bottom line is you're trying to make your team better at the trade deadline. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, while obviously a good hockey team um, is capable of beating anybody, you want to shore up some of their weaknesses, which everyone agrees is their blue line. And you don't have to have, I mean, I'm looking at Eric Branson right now going, okay, here's a big, you know, veteran guy who can play tough and be solid. And yeah, he's not a top four guy, but just does his, does the addition make the team better? And while nobody can know that for sure, because it's a locker room of chemistry and who works together. And sometimes you just throw things together and, you know, it, holy, this, no one saw this team being good or else everyone expected these guys to win their division and they're on a wild card spot. Like you, no one can predict how these teams work together, but you, you got to start to look down the line and saying, okay, what's the objective here? Like you get so focused on Tanev and Hennepin and these guys, just who's available that you could insert and the further you go down the line the less it costs you which is also a benefit but just try to get a body or two in there that you can that you can truthfully say I did my best to to make this blue line better and I think there's other players still out there that that do that for the Toronto Maple Leafs and you know they're just on that seven game heater and look like when they're playing together they can be a a really good hockey team and you know, you don't necessarily have to, like you say, change 12 guys all right before the, the playoffs to to make a run at it. You know, you can tweak things
3: a little bit as well. There's more than one way to skin a cat. I, I think it's funny that this team didn't re-up Luke Shen, and now they're looking for Luke Shen again at the deadline. <laughs> like, that's the type of player, that, like, he just was such a perfect fit. Who knows if Shenner would have even re-signed here. We had that conversation with Shenner on this podcast. Reading the tea leaves, just I don't think he wanted the noise. I think he's very, very happy in Nashville. But that's just my opinion. I it just it's funny to me they're looking for the same type of player again. You know?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. They're you know like a a big, strong, tough, rugged r- right-handed defenseman. I mean, look at our blue line right now. We don't have a right-handed defenseman, and it's yeah. like that's that's in the lineup as of lately, and it's tough. But Luke Shen, they just you're at a cap crunch, and you got other guys, and you're bringing people in, and he's played his way into. Uh, X amount of dollars and you're three times less than that from what you can give him. It's just the writings on the wall. Luke Shan has grinded his way back into being a valuable defenseman in the NHL after making, you know, being the minors and making league minimum for quite a few years. And all of a sudden it's like, yes, I got paid. He's not going to say, yeah, I'll take three times less to get taxed out the ass and play in this huge Toronto market where scrutiny every single day, Nobody in their world would do that. They're going to take three times more and go play in Nashville and not get taxed anything and and live that life just because it makes sense for his career, for his life, for his bank account, for his family, for his well-being. It's 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 an obvious no-brainer. You just, he played himself out of the market as far as what they were able to pay the guy at the time. But now when things change, you're looking for a Luke Shen defenseman. Yeah, you're right.
3: Yeah, and uh, again, Morgan Rally has been looking for a partner for like seven years. I guess that's not going to happen. I thought a perfect fit would have been Tanev. I don't think anybody available is going to be to that level, whether it's Matt Dumba, who we're going to get a look at again tonight for Arizona. I'm just very, very curious. Again, they don't want to give up that first rounder, so I think they're obviously going to trade a third or a fourth and add some depth, and maybe that's the way to go. Because again, barring something unforeseen, there's not really a trade out there that makes sense where it's like the Leafs have to get this guy. Tanev did. But to a level, you got to go to a level. You got to stand firm, which I think Brad Living should be commended for. Like, you're, you're going crazy time if you're going to trade a first rounder for Chris Tanev. Not really, you know, you're lukewarm about the team. Having said that, I do think the team has earned. We talked about this maybe three weeks ago. Prove it to your GM that he should go out and add. And I think they have. I truly do think they have. Winning those seven games. They've won seven of eight. They've now pushed the ball back in True living's court and said, hey, we've helped you out. We've shown what we're capable of help us out and i think they will add but they're going to trim around the edges a bit i don't think they're going to add a guy who's a a two or three i think it's going to be you know further down the depth charts and that's okay i think you need to play up and down that lineup but we always lose sight of the fact that it's got to be about the core four whatever you want to call them the core three like those are the guys who are going to lead you to the promised land at the end of the day
0: yeah they're supposed to and i mean keeping an eye on the back and like would you say morgan riley is tough to play with Would you think that's an accurate assessment? It seems like guys kind of struggle to play with them and it's not, it's not a knock on him or anything, but what's that?
3: He was good with Jenner.
0: Yeah, true. It's like, I don't know, like maybe a, a good Branson would work all right with him, defensively responsible, blah, blah. And sometimes you got you wonder, like, do you want two guys of the same ilk who, who understand each other and play the same and are thinking the same way out there who can make their plays? Or do you want a guy that's completely different where Morgan can go be offensively minded and jump up and take a bit of risks and be offensive and get up in the play and then have a guy cover his ass and be watching those stretch passes and, and cover the lanes that maybe he is you know risking a little bit and do you want two guys to complement each other or would a guy like that be like i don't know what morgan's doing out there i don't know where he is he's he's thinking a different type of game than i am and i go to make you know that outlet you know play or get my relief from my d partner and he's in a different spot than i'm used to it's i just find that guys are kind of struggling figuring that out and at the end of the day Everybody needs to step it up in the playoffs and you need your like your Ben Was and like your, your, your Timmons yeah. is like, can he come back and help out right there? Like he's a guy that could certainly help this blue line, but this goddamn mono has been there for weeks on end now. And, you know, the guys like that need to step up and say, oh, man, did he ever make a big difference in the playoffs? Every team that does well and does it and has a run has guys like that that step up and elevate their game. And the Leafs are just not going to go on a big run if they don't have players do that this year.
3: Lots of moving parts. And as Rosie mentioned earlier on, we got Chuck Fletcher, NHL executive coming up in about 15 minutes from now, we're going to get a lay of the land of the trade deadline. What's it like to be a GM around the trade deadline? So we're going to paint that picture coming up with Chuck Fletcher at the Leafs nation 41 on YouTube. Least morning, take wherever you find your podcast. reminder. If you're watching right now, hammer that subscribe button, hammer that like button. Appreciate all of you who have left reviews, five-star reviews uh, over at Apple and wherever you catch your podcast. That's fantastic and great for us and a great help for us. So please continue to do so five star review, leave us a review as well brought to you by DoorDash. It's time for the appetizer for a limited time. Our listeners can get 25% off up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app, enter code nation 25 that's code nation 25, all in uppercase 25% off your first order with DoorDash offer valid in Canada subject to change. Terms apply. So, uh, lots of news and notes in the morning skate today. Positive news. We'll start with the back end. They're going back to Riley on the left side. Brody's playing the right, so they're going Riley, Brody, Benoit McCabe, Geo, and Legison. So, uh, no Timothy Lilligren for the second straight game, Rosie. They're going Riley, Brody, Brody again. Yeah, but Brody's playing the right side where he's been playing majority of the year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they, I thought they were breaking them up. Yeah, interesting, I wish. man. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah. No, Lily again. Yeah. It just, it'd be nice to get some concrete pairs here. It would be nice to get something that's clicking and working where it's clear that this is our best formula. This is our best three pairings. And here's a list of, you know, evidence on why. And this is what we're going with. And these guys are just working on getting better and better and getting that chem going into the playoffs. But it just doesn't seem to be the way it goes in Leafland, man. It's just always... Just always got to be a blender. And if that if I had one big knock on Sheldon Keefe, personally, that would be it. The fact that we just can't get a system of lines or defensive partners that are consistent.
3: Yeah, it just it's a mixed blender. But man, it just it's crazy to me after wins, after losses. It's the same story. I think of no like Noah Gregor looks like he's going to be a healthy scratch again. That's going to be four straight. Five of six, like he can't find himself back in the lineup. I get it. I think you want to roll with the lineup that's bringing you the, the most success. The fourth line was awesome the other night. That's probably the only most logical spot. But all of a sudden, there's like, uh there's too many bodies up front, you know, whereas like three weeks ago, we we're like, crap, this team has no depth.
0: Yeah, things ebb been flow. And, uh, you know, those depth guys have have stepped up. And you've seen a lot of names that we've been, Either not even talking about or calling more from who have produced. And hence their run they've gone on. They've had, they've had their core four be really solid. The big boys are doing their job. And so is the supporting cast. And hence the, you know, uh, seven out of eight wins is is a fantastic record throughout, especially that road trip. So there are guys that are gonna be in a jam, and and Noah Greger is one of them. I mean, I've been scratched before where You know, you'd probably get back in the lineup, but they just won't lose. And it's like two weeks go by and you're like, God, there's no chance. They're going to shove me in for no reason until until there's a reason to do it. And I think Gregor's finding himself in there, but that bit of competition is solid. I think that if Gregor gets back in there, I think he's going to be using his speed. He's going to be fresh. And, you know, if he was smart and we told him this when we kind of hinted at it, when we interviewed him at the beginning of the season, I was like, use your speed, but fuck. I just wanted to tell him, like, can you go bang and fucking crash? And, like, I don't care how big you are. It's not hard anymore in the NHL to finish every single hit. It's not like Adam Foots out there feeding you (laughs) a coho to the back of your neck every time you come near the guy. Go finish and bang and crash and just be an absolute buzzsaw, which you're totally capable of doing with your speed. And if you get caught down low, you can catch up because you're you're literally – visibly faster than everyone out there, go use it and and don't let them take you out of the lineup. So if he's got that hunger and he's sitting there going, what the hell's going on right now? I, I need to get, you know, my career back on track here. That little bit of healthy competition is good this time of year. So it's a good problem to have, I think, having a lot of guys that are, that are capable of playing and that are doing well.
3: By the way, Matt Rempe didn't fight uh, on Wednesday night for the New York Rangers against Columbus, he must be preparing for what's uh, in store for Saturday, where you got to think the uh, the main event of that one's going to be Ryan Reeves against Matt Rempe. So maybe maybe Reeves just by default draws another game in the lineup, but he's been really really good. So Rosie, you've been waiting, I guess, over two months for this day. Uh, there's no confirmation just yet from Sheldon Keith, but uh, Joseph Wool was the first goalie off the ice, which usually indicates he's starting. hasn't played since December seventh. 35 games he missed in total. The Leafs went 20-11-4 in that time. Joseph Wall, we think, is returning tonight.
0: It's looking that way, isn't it? I'm, uh, I'm excited. We talked about it yesterday. This makes the most sense by a million. It's almost like if you could draw it up, you'd probably do it this way. Um, coming off a loss, Sammy looks like he needs a bit of a break. Yeah, uh, You're playing the lowly Arizona guy. Like, Could you pick a better opponent? I know they don't have a good home record against them, but that's going back to years past. Um, I think they got a pretty good vibe going on from their last couple of weeks of of solid play. And Wolves had a chance. I mean, I think he's, I think he's been 100% healthy for, you know, it'll be over a week probably, which is yeah. just like, he must be feeling good. He must be chomping at the bit. And to get in there against a team where if you play your game that you've played the last few weeks, the Toronto Maple Leafs in front of Joseph Wall, I think it's a recipe for success to get your, Potential star netminder to get his legs under him and to get that confidence back and to be feeling really good and feeling like he's back in the rhythm and flow of things and I I just I think it's set up perfectly now you just got to go get the job done tonight
3: yeah and now you can start trending towards what you really mapped out to begin the year when it came to the crease right whether it's a tandem whether it's going with one <laughs> bona fide guy they can revisit that like I think obviously you have to manage the workload at least initially for Joseph Wall but. I'm right there with you. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in this game, but like, I wouldn't be stunned regardless of the result if they go back to Samsonov on Saturday. I think in a perfect world, you want as many guys in this crease playing well. And I say that because they, they still have Martin Jones, the third option. Never know what's going on with your guy, Matt Murray. But like, I think that could only be a positive when you have so many guys playing well. So I think that that's got to be the goal for Curtis Sanford, the goalie coach and others right now is get 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 joseph wall back in the mix get him confident keep samson off confident and you're, you're looking suddenly really really good whereas like a couple months ago we really wondered about the leafs crease and what was going on there
0: yeah it's looking pretty healthy right now and let's just say tonight goes phenomenally and he has like a nine six save percentage and has some big ones and he looks just super sharp and poised and the boys have their game again in front of him you know do you do you throw Sammy back in on Saturday against the Rangers who have been really hot as well lately uh, at home on Saturday? Or do you say, okay, let's, let's keep this thing going with wool. I mean, I got to think that being as young as he is, they did not dick around with rushing him. He is 100%. I think that you got to assume that say he plays two games, including the one with the Marlies. And he's like, no, like I don't even feel it anymore. I am 100%. He stands on his head tonight Do you think about playing him again on Saturday and then start to be like, well, this could be the start of rolling this kid as our number one and getting him hot before the playoffs. It's, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they manage those two.
3: Maybe you go with Jonesy. He played the first two games against the Rangers one and one. I I doubt it. I think, I
0: think you got to keep Sam. It's always shitty when a guy loses and, and might have a little hit on the confidence, which I don't think Sammy should, but. It's always funny listening to his interviews. You don't know what he's thinking. He barely speaks English and he's trying to get his point across. And he's tired. I know you you hate his uh you hate his interviews. Yeah, he's tired. Well, he just said I want to go home and rest. But uh yeah, do you do you do that and take a hit to Sammy's confidence while you're trying to get i mean fuck it's the nhl man you can't tiptoe around these guys' feelings i think you just got to go with the best chance that you feel you have to win the next game and hopefully that's what they're going to be doing and if they do get put in that position it means things went really well with joseph wall tonight so
3: yeah exactly and a perfect fit for tomorrow's show carter hutton's going to be on the goalie expert here and uh, we'll get his breakdown of joseph wall's performance and uh, who the leafs look to in between the pipes on saturday (laughs) against the Rangers. By the way, Igor Shostorkin has been fantastic for the Rangers the last month. Uh, It was a lot about Jonathan Quick earlier in the year, but the uh, the All-Star has been spectacular for that team. So looking forward to that matchup. But you don't want to look ahead too far because they still got Arizona tonight. Wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year and daily face-off for those of you who smoke the competition. Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning despite your lack of team-building skills. Download the Wendy's app and score yourself 150 bonus reward points on your first order. And grab a sweet victory for the mouth watering jaws of defeat, along with some fresh, never frozen beef. Signed up to play daily face off to win weekly prizes like the spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. So, as mentioned, the second meeting with Arizona in eight days back last week, a 6 3 win for the Leafs at the college arena there, Mullet Arena. Austin Matthews, massive night, scored two goals 50 and 51 in that game. Game two of this five game homestand. Um, Here's a, a question for you When's the last time the Leafs beat? Arizona at Scotia Bank Arena. Can you answer this?
0: It's going back a while. I know that like the 10 and 1 and 1
3: is their record at home against them the last 12. The last Maple Leafs victory <laughs> stems back February 11th, 2020. Scotia Bank oh. Arena, a 3 2 OT win. You got to go back even further for a regulation win. And as you referenced, 10 1 and 1 is Arizona in the past 12 visits to Scotia Bank Arena.
0: That's crazy for a team that is, you know, had the success that they've had in the regular season, like 117 point seasons and guys that got it going with their firepower against that dog shit team is crazy. <laughs> That's really crazy. That's a wild stat that they haven't beat them. So I know you thought it was a trap game last time. <clears throat> I kind of half heartedly offered to shave my head if they lost. I did well, double down. No do, will I double down today? <laughs> not shaving the head. What was the other thing we were gonna? Oh yeah, I was gonna do it shirtless in uh, <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> I don't think I'm doing that in Canada. Though, a little bit of a blizzard. Well, I guess it's Chinooking now, but I'm not taking my shirt off. I don't okay. know, man. I'm just, I'm just, I just don't see it happening. And if it does, it is a massive step back, and and it would be clear that they have not, you know, fixed their warts and and solved some of their internal issues, mm-hmm. basically mentally. Um, I think that. They are past that, and I would bet on them, and I will bet on them tonight, and I do not think that they will drop this game. I think that they have kind of figured out their woes as far as starting not prepared, taking teams unseriously, thinking they can do it themselves, thinking they can do it fancy, thinking about point night. I just I think they're on a different page now, and I think they have matured a little bit, and they've showed me that in the last three weeks or so. So I am, I'm not expecting one of those trap game losses. How about yourself?
3: It's a trap game. It definitely is. I think this team has turned a corner, though, and the only reason why I call it a trap game, Arizona's fucking lost 13 straight games. I don't know how you do that. Like, this team was in a playoff spot two months ago. They've dropped 13 in a row. They're 0-11-2. So let me rephrase it then. Will you shave your head if you tear up during the Alex Kirkwood video tribute? Yes, I'll shave my whole body
0: naked live on thing i'll uh there's not a chance that's happening i don't know we'll see i think it's just gonna be a
3: welcome a back one. alex yeah oh, hello
0: <laughs> thank you for everything you have done Four for years this organization so weird dude I, i'm over them i hope they just do it during a tv timeout. just a quick i don't mind a quick hello hey welcome back wave up there while you're taking a squirt of gato on the bench fine but these like video tributes and stuff, relax, dude. I think they'll pump the tires
3: on this or pump the brakes on it this uh, tonight. It's really disappointing because uh, I was trying to track Alex Kerfoot down uh, with the Coyotes the last couple weeks to get him on this show. And uh, everything was going great. And then Arizona started losing and losing and losing, at which point I got an email response saying, hey, we're just we're not in a good headspace. This team is not good. Maybe if we turn things around kind of thing. And they never turn things around and they enter this game. Losers of 13 in a row. So Kerfoot 58 games so far this year with the Coyotes, nine goals, 25 assists, 34 points, pretty much the same player there. He's been forgotten about. I know he was a Kyle Dubas favorite, but it was time to move on from Alex Kerfoot.
0: Yeah. I wonder like what's going on. Like, being part of the Coyotes, does it feel like you're in the NHL? Or is it just kind of like <laughs> a go. joke? Is there any accountability? Is anyone mad after a loss? Does the coach just come in and clap his hands and say, we'll get him next time? Like loss after loss after loss after loss. Like, is it even feel like an NHL franchise? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. And I haven't even played in Mullet Arena. But what an embarrassment, man. Like, I just can't stand it. That's part of the the league that I love that we follow, that we care about this game. And they have this dog shit organization that just embarrasses themselves year after year.
3: It's a bit of a different feel. And as I mentioned last week, it's always going to be as that, that arena where Austin Matthews hit 50 for the second time in his career. Right? Like that was a <laughs> big can. narrative this time last week, we had Chris Cuthbert on the podcast and we were talking about setting up Matthews's 50th in front of 4,700 people, just as he uh, built it up earlier on in his life.
0: Yeah, he went and got fifty fifty one. Yeah, hopefully the rest of his career, he won't have to uh, go into that building saying, I remember my uh, history in this barn. I, I hope this is the last time they ever have to play in this thing
3: is the next year. I think they'll be there for a couple, but sadly, but hopefully not for long. Yes, yes. Uh, so we got Chuck Fletcher coming on in a couple of minutes um, to get his thoughts on the trade deadline, what to do from the Leafs perspective. Again, as mentioned, the Leafs 22-6-2 versus the Western Conference. That's been a big story. But bottom line, I just want to see a bit of a response. We talked about this the other day. Vegas fed them their lunch, and that's why they're defending Stanley Cup champions. They they put up a, a really, really strong effort. I just want to see a response from the Leafs tonight, Rosie
0: yeah exactly get back on track we talked about that loss about having to park it and i'm sure they're talking about you know they'll watch the video they'll go through what happened but i I really don't think they're going to dwell on it they've been playing too good a hockey um, you lose to, uh, and again, it wasn't like some gross trap game where they weren't prepared. I mean, they started the game well. They, they had control early, and at the end of the day, you just got to tip your cap to the Vegas Golden Knights and say, hey, they beat us. That happens in this league, and you got to move on and, and refresh yourself to what you were doing the last couple of weeks. Can't hang yourself up on a, on a loss for too long. So reset button needs to be pressed, and I think they'll be ready to rock tonight.
3: This segment is brought to you by Douglas, named Canada's best mattress on Canadian living. Douglas is loved by more than 200,000 Canadians, and they're backed by over 10,000 five star reviews. Every mattress order comes with a free comfort sleep bundle, two memory foam pillows with pillow protectors, one luxurious cotton sheet set, and one mattress protector. Order today at douglas.ca slash LMT as we bring in today's guest. It is Chuck Fletcher. Chuck, thank you so much for doing this. How are you? I'm doing well, Nick. Is, this a, is that a Miko Koivu jersey behind you, by the way?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, a jersey was given to me after uh, managing my first game. We played in Columbus, uh, lost 2-1. to one. Andrew Burnett had the only uh, goal for, the, for Minnesota that game, but uh, Tony DaCosta framed up a jersey, and those were all the players uh, that were there at the time. And at the time, we didn't have a captain. If you see, Koivu was, uh, got the
3: alternate A there, so uh, pretty, pretty cool memory. That's a sure. beauty. That is a beauty. Um, So what have you been up to the last little while? Obviously, it's a very uh, intriguing time of year. The trade deadline is just days away. People are excited. Uh, what have you been up to? And also, like, what's that feel from a GM's point of view this time here in the NHL world?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, just in, living in Arizona, enjoying it. Uh, I've been getting out to a lot of Coyote games. Uh, Bill Armstrong's treated me great. And Been able to get out and reconnect with a bunch of people and see a bunch of the pro scouts and management types that come through Mullet Arena. So that's been fun and a lot of golf and hiking and tennis. And it's going to be 75 here today, Fahrenheit, 21 or 22 Celsius. So not complaining too much, but pretty nice lifestyle down here. Uh, But no, this time of the year, Nick, is, um, you know, it's it it used to be, I think, a little bit more nerve wracking uh, in terms of. There would actually be a trade deadline day. Uh, now it's more like a trade deadline month, it seems like, although we, you know, with the TANEB deal last night, maybe that'll kickstart some more deals. But it seems like the last couple of years have been more and more deals getting done a week or two in advance. So you're not, uh, you know, you don't really have a gun to your head per se, like you did where it seemed like deals used to go down maybe half an hour, an hour before the deadline in years past. So, but still, you're 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 trying to do what you can to improve your team, whether you're adding pieces to make a run or get in, or we're trying to maximize as many assets as you can to to continue your rebuild or retool or whatever you're doing. So there, there's usually very few teams in the middle doing nothing. Most teams are either adding or subtracting it to, to some extent. So um, you know, lots of meetings, lots of uh pro scouts and management types jammed into boardrooms and and uh trying to figure out what to do.
0: Chuck, how much does it weigh on you when you're making decisions for an organization? Like, Obviously, it's you want to make your team better, whether you're adding or subtracting, but do you look down the road a few years and say, man, if this, if this doesn't pan out the way I think, say you're getting a rental and the run doesn't work and the, the assets you give up, do you think down the road of going, man, this could really blow up in my face? Or do you just say, make a final decision, this makes our team better, end of story?
2: No, you definitely think about, uh, the impact it could have going forward. And, and Jay's, you know, only one team wins the cup. And yeah. if you think you have a really good team and, and, and a good chance, and look, this is a year where there's a lot of, it seems to be relatively wide open. There are a lot of good teams. I don't know if anyone's really run away with anything quite yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you make those moves. I mean, you go back to last year, you look at the moves of the Bruins and Toronto made in particular, very aggressive moves, uh, giving up multiple picks to add, uh, basically players that were rentals and, and it didn't work out for them. And now you don't have all the draft currency going forward. So uh, those decisions can impact you uh, year over year. And, and we've all done it. We've all made those decisions where you give up picks and, and and typically it doesn't work out because only one team makes it. I mean, Brian Burke, i worked with him for a while and he, he used to the trade deadline and and, and first day of free agency, he used to shake his head out when teams uh, really, really stepped up because it's really hard to win but in saying that the one thing I remember as a GM when you know a couple years in Minnesota we had pretty darn good teams and we went all in in 2017 and I uh, the trade didn't work out Um, we gave up a first round pick and, and a second round pick for Martin Hansel it didn't work out at the time we were leading the Western Conference in points and I just remember thinking if I didn't do anything at the trade deadline, how am I going to sleep the, the rest of the year? Like you you want to think that you gave your players a chance. You want to think that you added a piece that can show that team that you believe in them because they've, they've worked hard for you all year. So, it, you know, there's a lot going on there, but uh, certainly uh, you, you look at it both ways.
3: What do you think of the price that Dallas paid to get Chris Tanev? Obviously we've been talking about Tanev uh, quite a couple of months, the last couple of months, I should say here in Toronto. And ultimately they didn't, they didn't get him.
2: Yeah. You know, I I think uh, Dallas made a a heck of a deal. I mean, I I do not know the Grushnikov kid very well. I I believe he was a second round pick, a defensive defenseman. I I remember reading some of the reports. I I haven't seen him this year. So Calgary got the equivalent of two second round picks. That's a solid return. Uh, You you know, so you you certainly, uh, you know, Craig Conroy wasn't taking less. So, I mean, clearly that was the best deal on the marketplace. And to me that that's maybe the biggest thing nobody was willing to to step up and maybe offer more than that for, uh, you know, who sh- what should be uh, or who should be a very good playoff uh, performer in Chris Tanev. And, uh but for Dallas, you you hold on to your top picks, you hold on to your top prospects, you uh, you know the cap hit they took on was was marginal, uh, very small, and so great piece of business by by Jim Neal, and it, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Jim is, you know, in my opinion one of the top two or three GMs in the league, and shows it year after year.
0: For sure. As, as, you know, being a Leaf centric show, we've been looking at Chris Tanner for a long time and our eyes are starting to venture elsewhere. What can you tell us about not just about the play, but the character and attitude about say Matt Dumba, for example, um, who all of a sudden is looking like a potential fit that they might go after. You are, you're obviously pretty familiar with him.
2: Yeah, man. I've watched Matt a lot this year out in Arizona. He signed a, you know, one year sort of prove it deal. Uh, you know, Matt had had some injury issues, you know, a couple seasons ago and, you know, the offensive part of his game hasn't been there this year. Um, you know, he, he hasn't put up maybe the points or scored the goals that he has in the past. He's, he's being used in a lot of matchup situations, uh, PK. Uh, he's been very physically engaged um, despite having a pretty tough injury a couple of years ago. He's, he's throwing the weight around and, you know, I think Matt has a lot to prove right now. And, um, again, I don't know if he's quite where he was at prior to the injury, uh, but in saying that, you know, he's competed and he's, um, played more and more minutes down here for Arizona. And I think he's played pretty well.
3: What's it like as a GM this time of year in, 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 terms of like prospects, like, are you having meetings well in advance of the draft to talk about, like, is there like a true list of untouchables? Like, can you describe sort of that process, how it all goes down leading up to the eventual deadline day?
2: You know, absolutely. I, I mean, typically, uh, you know, you have your player development staff that's monitoring your your prospects all the time and you're getting constant feedback. Uh, you know, f- when, when I was a manager, we usually had January meetings. We had the pro scouts come in, but prior to that, we had the amateur scouts and we did our first, took our first run at that draft uh, for, you know, the draft list for that coming year. But we also went through all, all our own prospects and looked at all the players we had drafted in previous drafts and, how players were progressing or not progressing. Typically there was a player development person there. So you're trying to constantly keep track of how you, how you evaluate your players, how you grade them. Are you being honest? Sometimes uh, we'd, we'd send different people in that maybe weren't involved in drafting the player just to make sure that you're getting an honest assessment and not an assessment of somebody that maybe has skin in the game that, that was involved in drafting the player. So, you know, you want to make sure you know who you have and, and what that, prospects worth. Is he worth the first rounder this year? Is he worth the third rounder this year? And, and so you try to end up sort of ranking each uh, future pick and and, and and as they're compared to the prospects. So you, you clearly want to do that and, and and you want to make sure you know what you have internally. And, and I, every team does that all the time. I'd be shocked if every team doesn't have a great handle on, on, on who they believe is a good prospect. You might be wrong, but everybody should have a pretty good working list.
0: For sure. Chuck your, uh, Chuck, your dad was obviously had a big hand in the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially I looked, you know, during that early 90s where you yourself were involved in the expansion of the Florida Panthers. I'm sure you guys spoke all the time. What, what are some of the differences, you know, as you know, you're you're looking at your dad running the Toronto Maple Leafs, but you're in a different market of the Florida Panthers. What can you tell me about, you know, the, the market of Toronto and, and some of the differences between other markets in the NHL?
2: <laughs> there's not many markets like Toronto, um, probably Montreal. Cause you can get criticized in two languages at a minimum. Uh, but, uh, you know, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver is a, obviously a very hot market in terms of uh, scrutiny and, and media attention. And yeah, it, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. I think if you're a player or you're a coach or you're a manager, um, you know you go out you're out in public and and people recognize you and they know what you did the day before they know what you did the previous game and and so there's really no place to hide and and, and some people thrive under that pressure and some people don't like it and and uh, and everyone's a little bit different so it has its pluses and minuses uh, but he he loved it he loved working in that market um you know he loved the, the the big stage and the challenges but you you know a place like florida or I worked in Anaheim for a long time and uh, you know, you just don't have the, the the media attention. You have some wonderful media people. Don't get me wrong; that cover the team, but you just don't have the quantity of of people covering you and all the cameras in your face. And so you can you can probably go about your job with with a lot less uh, pressure in that sense. But the, the pressure is still the same in terms of trying to win. But he, you know, I had dinner with him last night. Actually, and we were we were actually uh, chatting a little bit and. You know, he just he feels the biggest challenge today for current managers is just the salary cap. And, yeah. you know, when when he was managing in the 1990s and 1980s, if, if you made a mistake, as long as your owner would give you permission to spend a little bit more money, you could go out and make another trade and you, you had your budget, but you didn't have a salary cap. So you you had those internal discussions about, you know, how much you can make up for the mistake you maybe made or the hole that you have to fill. And, you know, today's, I think for managers today, it's it's certainly a little bit more challenging because you have the internal budget, but you also have the, the hard cap that that maybe limits what you can do. And as we're seeing right now, there's a lot of teams up against it that have tough decisions to make.
3: Yeah, and everybody's preaching creativity, but easier said than done. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of players you're familiar with dating to your time in philadelphia uh nick sealer is a name that's been on the radar of the toronto maple leafs uh what can you tell us about the player how impressive have you been with his sort of resurgent season he's had in philly this year
2: yeah nick is uh he's a player actually that uh, brent flair and i we we drafted him in in minnesota way back when i think it was 2011 in the fifth round and he had a long road um you know through the ushl through college uh through the american League, and finally. Uh, after several years made it into into Florida ended up in Chicago walked away from the game for a little bit and we brought him back a few years ago in a two-way deal just he's such a character kid and um, you know he's tough he he can he can really uh, really throw him you know I know that doesn't happen quite as often anymore but he'll block shots he'll take hits he he's a fierce competitor makes a good first pass good skater and you know probably when we signed him in Philly, we thought he'd be more of a seventh or eighth guy, but he's really morphed into a fifth or sixth guy. And I think a guy that can play in your bottom pairing left shot and he doesn't cheat you. And, and it doesn't take long to figure his game out. I mean, he, and that's a, that's a compliment. He, he, what he, what he does, he does well every night and, uh, but high character kid. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if Philly's going to try to resign him or trade him, but Uh, Either decision, you know, if they keep him, that's a great decision for him. If they trade him, I'm sure some team will pay an asset because he's, he's really stepped up the last couple of seasons.
0: I wanted to ask you about John Tortorella Um, you know it's no secret this day and age the players are a lot different Um, coaching them is a lot different managing them is a lot different they handle themselves um, in a new type of way some would say they need more of a players coach and a softer type of coach to handle these players and uh, John Tortorella is not really known for that while of course being a Jack Adams winner and everything else was that a big decision bringing in a personality like John Tortorella to to coach this team that you were on yeah
2: it, it was a long process we spent uh, probably six weeks uh, interviewing um, coaches and and interviewed a lot of them all the top names it was it was a summer where everybody was available but you know we felt that um, you know John Tortorella was somebody that what he achieved, in terms of what he'd achieved through his career but certainly in Columbus where he had taken a club that was in transition and found a way to not only improve the structure and uh, hold players accountable, but also improve young players. And I, I think that's something that, that John is probably does not get enough credit for. He hates when people call him John, by the way. So tor- Tortswood, uh, tortswood <laughs> does not get enough credit for developing players. Like to me, he's an outstanding developer of young talent and he is very demanding, but he's very fair. And, and, and he doesn't, pick um silly battles he doesn't go after players for no reason when when he goes after you you've typically been spoken to a couple times you clearly know what he's expecting of you there's no issue of communication I've had players tell me before with other coaches I didn't know what he wanted from me or he didn't he didn't tell me he expected that out of me that doesn't happen with torts you you know exactly exactly what he expects of you and and he gives you license offensively if you turn the puck over making a play in the offensive zone, you're probably not going to hear about it. Now, if you do it three times in a row, a drop pass in the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and give up three, two on ones, you may hear about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't learn the lesson the first time, but he encourages players uh, to get up the ice. You look at the Phillies D, they activate all the time. Uh, Sean Walker, Sanheim, these guys are up the ice all the time and, and it's immediate. And, and if there's a turnover, it's, it's it's going to be an odd man rush the other way, but he wants that safest death. He, he wants you going. And, uh, but there are non-negotiables, um, that he believes in. And, and when he cross the line, he goes after you, but I think it's a good thing. And I think he's been great for that franchise just as he was with most of the other franchises he's been with. And, you know, he, he his sound bites are hilarious, but there's a, uh, there's a big heart beneath the, uh, the bite and the bark. Um, and, and, but he's very fair and he's a great developer.
3: I love the accountability. And uh, lastly, we'll just get your thoughts on Scott Lawton. Um, I'm sort of biased to the player. He's from the same hometown as me, but I've always been fascinated with him. And it just seems like every year his name pops up. You were the GM of the Flyers. Uh, you know, were teams always calling? Were teams like the Leafs always calling? And uh, what's the case with this guy? Obviously, he's an absolute stud, right? Oh,
2: he's, he, he's
3: outstanding.
2: And uh, I think it was 2019, my first trade deadline there. Uh, he was going to be a, a, a pending UFA. I might be off. I think, I believe it was that year. And, mm-hmm. and we had two or three deals done um, at the time and teams were, were interested. It, sorry. It may have been after that it may have been, it may have been 21. Sorry. Not yeah. 19. But uh, you know, there were several teams trying to acquire him. Um, and uh, it, he literally, we, we had made him a five-year offer at 3 million a year. And they weren't going to accept it. And I remember he, he came up to my office after the, after the skate that day, almost in tears. He really wanted to stay and be a flyer and meant everything to him. And he signed the deal right there and, and literally had a couple really upset general managers because we were pretty far down a path. But he's a guy that drew attention every year. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want a Scott Lotton? He can play center. He can play wing. He can move up and down your lineup. He, he, he played left wing on the first line. For time, he spent a third or fourth line center. He can kill. He can skate. He's physical. He can shoot the puck. He plays both special teams like he he's a jack of all trades and a player that I think coaches, you know, it's it's not hard to fit him into your lineup. And I know the Flyers really respect him. So whatever they do will be probably based on the value to the organization. But
3: and again, wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah, those are the type of difference makers too, right? I mean, you look last year with um, with Barbashev in Vegas, Lekin in a couple of years ago. Like Those are the guys who I think have put teams over the top because we always bring up on this podcast like the Rangers last year went all in. I mean, and they got Tarasenko, they got Kane, and people forget about chemistry sometimes, right?
2: Yeah, they do. And when you bring in skilled guys, top guys, it usually upsets the apple cart in the top six and mm-hmm. someone drops down, someone falls off the first power play. Those are a much more difficult decisions than bringing in maybe a middle six guy that can move around, that can play anywhere, that nece- that isn't necessarily bumping out the top guys, and, that, and that's going to play hard every night. It's, you know, it it's, sometimes it's hard to get chemistry as a skill player, but when you're that type of player that comes in, your your game is going to be the same anywhere you go. It's straight lines. It's being above the puck defensively. It's blocking shots. It's finishing hits. and that type of style translates to any coach versus maybe an offensive player who has to find chemistry, but, but uh, he's got term left too. And it's, it's uh, obviously not a, a, a big AAV, a big salary. So um, I'm sure he would fit well with anybody and you get him for multiple runs. And, and, but that's also why Philadelphia I'm sure is, is very interested in, and in, in probably keeping them too. So it's going to be a tough decision. I'm sure it'll depend on the, on the price and the value and where they're at in the standings. They're sitting in a playoff spot now. So but Scott Lawton is the type, I agree with you, Nick. He's the type of guy that, that uh, team should be interested in.
3: Chuck, uh, love the insight. We're eight days away from the trade deadline. appreciate your time today.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Jay.
3: Thanks a lot. That is uh, Chuck Fletcher. And I think it's so cool to get that insight, man. It's like deadline season. He's been in the war room. Like I'm always just so curious, like how prospects are handled, how trades go down, like, You know, even the whole TANF process, I thought was so fascinating to me, Rosie, where you look at like so many teams involved. If you're Calgary, how are you like, okay, this is the offer we'll take and we're moving forward with it now. We switch our focus to like uh, a Hannafin or a Markstrom trade, you know?
0: Yeah, it's wild. I mean, that's it's fun to pick their brain. I mean, I really like that uh, movie with Kevin Costner, Draft Day, and it just follows this GM around while he's trying to, mess around at the draft and make deals and call people and things fall through and he's got a backup plan and then he's got an idea where he's going to work this thing. And when it all comes through, like that kind of stuff behind the scenes, people are just like, why didn't you get this guy? Why didn't you get that guy? It's like, it's, you don't know what's going on back there, man. Those guys' hair is on fire for like, two weeks straight trying to, to sort out what's best for their team. And it's fun to pick their brain about what goes into it and what they think. And while we'll never know exactly what it's like, it's uh, it's fun to get them on and, and pick their brain a little bit.
3: Lots of pressure. And there's only 32 of those jobs in this league, <clears throat> which is just crazy. Uh, the Botano wrap up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now 19 plus please play responsibly major announcement. Botano is the official partner of Copa America, 2024 taking the beautiful game. The new heights in the Americas joined Botano, on their journey of passion, unity and unforgettable football moments. So I hit the Connor McDavid anytime goal last night, had to wait till OT for that to hit. I'm going back to Matthews tonight, Rosie.
0: I was going to say Matthews goal. I think he's going to snipe at home tonight. Uh, he doesn't mind scoring on this team and he didn't score last. Was it his only goal? And was it his only game last night that he didn't or last game that he didn't score in like how long? And it's like, yeah, he's due. It's, it's hilarious how Two hot a row, the yeah. guy is, yeah. but uh yeah, I'd pick him to be on the board a couple of times.
3: Two in a row for Matthews. But I think what we've learned throughout this season, he scores, he scores a lot and he scores in bunches. So would you be shocked at all if he gets like a Hattie, he ripped Arizona last week. I want to see a response from this Leafs team. Again, the Coyotes have dropped 13 in a row. And and maybe the Leafs get that boost from getting Joseph Wool back in the pipes. That's going to be so cool to see number 60 in there. I know that's kind of
0: my number one uh, excitement for tonight is to see how Wool looks and uh, see how they're playing in front of them. It's super important for them to be off to a good start, get control of the game, get the lead even, and uh, and have Wool just be able to be comfortable and, and get used to his uh, surroundings and get back in the rhythm of things. Because if you leave a guy out to dry, that's you know supposed to be a huge part of your your future months here. And you have him scrambling and put him in a bad position. That's just a tough way to get the guy going. So looking forward to a big start and to see how uh, Wolsey's looking in between the pipes.
3: The other play I like, uh, just to wrap here, I like Tyler Bertuzzi to pick up another point. He's been hot, scoring goals five in the last six. So maybe you look at that as well. But uh, in general, I think we're expecting a response from the Leafs tonight. So that's going to do it for you this week, Rosie. You're going to be back on Monday and hopefully we'll have a fight for you to break down from over the weekend uh, after tonight's game. It's the Leafs Rangers on Saturday night. So we'll talk on Monday, okay?
0: I'm also excited for that Saturday matchup as well. Yeah, you bet. We'll see you guys on Monday.
3: So Carter Hutton's back in the mix tomorrow, which is perfect timing with Joseph Wall's return. So we'll have him break that down. We'll break down Ilya Samsonov. we are talk trades again, deadline season. We're going to be a week away on Friday. Darren Dreger of TSN is going to drop by tomorrow and get the very latest on the focus, where that shifted now with uh, Chris Tanev going to the Dallas Stars. So thank you, everybody, in the chat. You guys are great, as per usual, at the leaf station 401, where you can subscribe on YouTube. Thank you to our guest, Chuck Fletcher, producer Vic. Bang-up job for Jay Rosell. I'm Nick Alberga. We'll talk on Friday. Take care.